When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Amber from the Quad Cities, USA, and you're listening to Don't Break the Oath Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show, and thank you very much for listening. I just want to say a quick thank you there to Amber for the intro. We are looking for more intros or shout-outs. And also, we're going to do a listener's ghost story episode soon. So if you've got a paranormal tale that you can share with us, you know, over Skype or, or just send it into us, self-recorded, for all those things, particularly intros, you know, if you've got an intro, just quickly record it on your phone, whatever. Or again, we could do that over Skype if you really wanted to. Uh, just send it to dbtopodcast at gmail.com. We'll get onto it. Right. On to the paranormal news. Obviously, there's only two stories this week because... We had Jerry on from the Hillbilly Horror Stories to help with this show today and uh, and he recorded one of the news stories for us and it was a bit long so we had to leave one out but essentially all the other one was was about Bigfoot sounds in Oregon so I mean that's on the Paranormal Hangout if you want to go check that out on Facebook. Uh, so yeah without further ado let's get into the news. Welcome to another installment of the Paranormal News, broadcasting to you from places unknown, bringing you the top three paranormal headlines of the week. Five, four, three, two, one. Two. Right, a mother of two who was enjoying a family day out at a museum was left shocked when she caught what she believes could be one of the clearest images of a ghost on camera she has ever seen. Apparently, a waving little girl. Uh, Louise Murphy had taken her nine-year-old son Owen for a day out at the Riverside Museum in Glasgow, Scotland, when she began taking photos in the museum's Victorian-themed street. Despite only Owen being near her when taking the picture, Mrs Murphy was shocked to discover the haunting image of a little girl with long brown hair waving at the camera and wearing a floral dress. Most eerily, her entire face is blanked out apart from what appears to be the hollow shape of a black eye looking directly at the camera. The mother who lives with her boyfriend Ian Stark claims Owen was also left unsettled by the image since he confirmed he was the only one present when she took the picture. Mrs Murphy from Carlisle, Cumbria said it definitely looks like a young girl to me. One. I got a story, it's, it's a, a place called Captain Tony's Saloon, it's in uh, Key West, Florida. This place was built in the back in the 1850s, and it uh, was the original first ice house, but it also secondary as the morgue there. And they're starting to have some sightings uh, of a blue lady uh, recently. And the story actually goes back that they used to have these all the time, but then it kind of stopped for a while, but now it's back up. 
And when you first walk in, what you notice is a large tree growing through the saloon. This tree used to be a hanging tree, and there were 17 executions done. 16 were pirates, and one was a woman. And the woman was because she supposedly killed her, her whole family. She was wearing a blue dress when she was hanged. Plus, she also turned blue, and that's kind of where they think the sightings are coming from. Uh, they also go back a little further. This, this place has all kinds of paranormal activity. Uh, 1865, there was a hurricane, and there was an unidentified body that just showed up outside the place. So they built a wall around it, threw some holy water in it. In the 1980s, uh, they were doing some renovations on, on the saloon, and they included this wall now as part of the saloon. So they started tearing up uh, some flooring and stuff, and they found some skeletal remains and a headstone of a woman named Elvira. And they still have the uh, headstone there at the bar. So that probably would explain some of this. Hello, everybody. Right. Today's show Hello. is going to be about Springy Eel Jack and various other creatures of the night, which kind of go in that vein. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the best way to put it, I guess. Yeah. And uh, we are joined today by the legend... Jerry Pauly from the Hillbilly Horror Stories. I appreciate it. I think legend might be a bit of a stretch or a whole bunch of a stretch, but I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, right. So he's got some cases. He's, you know, Spring Hill Jacket pops up in the state. So Jerry's going to get into a few of them as well as we go. But, you know, he's going to chip in as we go as well. So, right. We may as well start at the beginning. Um, And this is not necessarily down in the annals as Spring Hill Jack, but it's, Maybe it was Spring Hill Jack before he got his name. Uh, and this is the case of the London Monster. Okay, and then the first report is in 1788. Uh, and most of the accounts tell of a fellow who attacks mostly rich females, you know, rich, beautiful women. So it's women. We've got this women theme, haven't we? Yeah, female. This runs right through it. Yeah, okay. But he, he starts stayed, off by um, generally, they describe him as being a large man. Generally wearing a cloak, and you know all the things that go along with Spring Jack, and he normally shouts obscenities at them first, and if that doesn't really work, then he'll approach them and start stabbing them in the buttocks. Now, sometimes he, you know, some of the reports say that he had like a little spike on his knee, so he'd like run up behind a woman and go boom, you know what I mean? And, and as you do, oh, uh, right, okay. Other cases say that he would um, just cut the clothing, uh, just like Spring Hill Jack when we get into him. He cut the clothing. Some reports say that he even cut um, substantial wounds into people. So, you know, he was a bit of a menace. But his, his biggest trick was this uh, nose gag. Basically, what well, this is, is like a little bunch of flowers that people used to walk around. You know, like you see them, don't you? Like at weddings, they carry like a little bunch of flowers, like the, the bridesmaids and shit. Yep. That's basically a nose gag. And what he'd do, he'd, he'd go up to this woman that he obviously clearly fancied, and he'd say... Do you want to smell my flowers? <laughs> and she'd say, fuck off, you weirdo. But then he'd say, no, no, smell my flowers. And if she didn't, the second time, he'd, he'd jab her in the face with it. And he had, like, a little needle in there. So as he thrust it into the face, he stabbed her in the face with a needle. So he's a right, a right sod. You know, that's the nice way to put it. Yeah. yeah. You British, you really know how to woo a woman. That's yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's not somebody <laughs> like to invite to a party, Jerry, I told you, mate. I mean, look, he asked her twice, didn't he? I mean, come on. <laughs> right. yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> But, um, I mean, this went on for two years before they arrested someone, and I'll get into that in a minute, because um, 
I think he was, this guy, this poor guy, was made a scapegoat. Um, but we'll get into that as we go. Again, like I say, it went on for two years, and there was up to fifty cases reported to the uh, the authorities at the time. But a lot of those reports went down as women just looking for sympathy, or you know, looking for attention, which you get you know everywhere, don't you? So you, yeah, well, yeah, a lot of them were said that, and they even went as far as some of the women were faking wounds. You know, just to say, and I mean, what, I don't know why, but anyway. So the, the local guys set up a club, and it was called the No Monster Club, and used to wear little pins on the lapels to prove that they weren't a monster. Because obviously, at the time then, it was even unsafe for guys to walk the street. Because if a lone guy was walking the street, people would think, ah, oh, this is the, you know, this is yeah. him. So they'd, they'd start attacking him. So they, they used to go out in, in groups and looking for the monster, but obviously they had no luck. And again, you know, they was bringing up, they had no luck in capturing him. And then, obviously, the police didn't. The police at the local at the time was called the uh, Bow Street Runners. That's they, it, Bow Street yeah, Runners. And they yeah. didn't. They didn't have a, re- a look in catching him. And um, there was actually a re- rewards offered for him. You got these armed men, you know, vigilante groups going around, and still can't get all of this guy until uh, the thirteenth of June, seventeen ninety. So this is two years after it all started. Annie Porter was walking home with her admirer, John Coleman. When she noticed that there's a man following him, um, you know, you get that feeling, don't you? Someone's following you. Yeah. And he had been for a while. And just as they reached their house, this Coleman, he decided to confront this guy. So he turned around and accused him of uh, insulting his lady. And he challenged him to a duel. Is that you know? kind of the old smack yeah, on the yeah, uh, cheek yeah. with a white glove, yeah, is it? Yeah, glove on the floor. You cab. You know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously he protested his innocence, you know, and given, given the, uh, you know, the time, you know, like I say, this had been going on for a few years now and people really, you know, jumping on this. So he, he knew what was coming. He said, no, no, you know, he did, he did admit that he had approached her, uh, but he did say, I've got alibis for the other attacks, but no one really listened to him. So he was charged with defacing the clothing. And that, you know, just one of them curiosities, uh, that crop up from time to time. Defacing clothing actually carried a worse, punishment or a harsher sentence than assault or attempted murder at the time. Okay? That crap is it, isn't it? Yeah. So so that was not good for him. So he was, you know, so he was tried and uh, he was found guilty uh, and he was actually sentenced to six, even though he had alibis for most of the attacks. But but basically what they did, they wanted a scapegoat and I think he was, um, was used as a scapegoat. But after he was convicted, the you know, the London monster sort of hysteria for like died down because everyone yeah. thought, well, they caught the guy. That's it. And so the reports died down as well. But again, you know, some of the reports still can continued years after that. So obviously he's inside for six years mm. and it's still going on. I mean, um, one of the last cases before he got put away was in 1970. And this guy was meant to approach this woman um, and obviously asked her for a dance. Uh, yeah. And she said, no. No, so instead of stabbing the nose this time, he said, <laughs> "He said this. Oh, yeah, he, you know, he offered her a bunch of flowers. Now, the, this guy who was convicted was was meant to have worked in a florist, so that you know, so ah, you right, two okay, yeah, together yeah, yeah. and getting ten. So, yeah. but it, he actually, in this case, he offered her a bunch of flowers. She said no, and it, so he said, "Blast your eyes, you damn bitch! I will murder you and drown you in your blood." Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Oh, there you go. But uh, you know, that's chicken and egg, isn't it? Because like, I'm going to murder you, then drown you in your blood. So it's a bit. Bit of a, <laughs> oh, I, mean, I don't know how he's going to wear that out, but um, he was quite the smooth talker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, especially with the flowers. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, I mean, he must be thinking, what's wrong with these women? You know, I'm offering him these beautiful flowers, and I don't want to know. But you know, some reports saying, I mean, yeah, what would he, what, what he would that, done so. though, if someone accepted the flowers? No? Well, we don't hear about them ones, do we? Well, I'm just saying. Yeah, oh, you think yeah. she did? You know, yeah. jump on her, you know? Well, well, um, whatever. I think what happens here then after this, after this London monster, obviously got a bit of. Uh, headline news, if you like, obviously, that you know, there weren't many newspapers at the time, but a lot of people found out about this and it started to spread across the country. Um, and um, we get to 1803 and we get what's called what goes down as the Hammersmith Ghost. And again, this is, I think, this is like perpetuating that sort of mythos yeah. now, you know, now yeah. it starts going a bit, yeah. It? yeah. So, this starts with a number of people reporting that they'd seen. And some even said they'd been attacked by a ghost, okay? And the ghost was judged to be this guy who, a local guy who had committed suicide the year previous mm. and been buried in the Hammersmith churchyard. Ah, now, yeah, the problem with that is, obviously, yeah. you bury someone that's committed suicide in yeah. consecrated ground, their soul cannot rest. So this is why the people think that it was this guy. The apparition was described as being tall, pale, dressed in white, now, some accounts said that he wore a calfskin garment, and this keeps cropping up time and time again. Yeah, it does. And, you know, we'll come on to that a bit later with the, with the uh, conclusion, I guess. But uh, a calfskin garment, sometimes he'd have horns, and one of the most compelling features, he had large glass eyes. Mm. Um, so, again, this crops up later on. But, you know, he had big, big eyes. Uh, no, these, he said these are a glass ball, you know, big bulky well, uh, glass ball. In, that, eyes, in them yeah. days, that thing was... You know. Yeah, so two of the women that uh, were seized by the ghost on separate occasions by while walking by this churchyard, okay, one was an elderly woman and the other was a pregnant woman, but both of them were so frightened by the experience that they died of shock a few days yeah, later. This is what, yeah, okay, so you know, he like never that. actually killed anybody, but you know, he's con- yeah. his, his actions led to consequences. Now, there was um, a guy called Thomas Groom. Later that same year, was walking through that graveyard when he said someone grabbed him from behind a tombstone, grabbed him really tight around the neck, uh, around the throat, and you know was strangling him. And he punched at him, and he said he felt like he hit something soft, almost like a you know again we're getting this fair coat or yep. this this sort skin. of you know fairy you know soft outer skin if you like. Uh, a friend heard the commotions and broke that up, so he, that's how he got away with it. Now, in that in that case. Um, well, there was another one actually, just before we go into that. In, uh, December, ni- uh, December 29th, there was a night watchman who saw what he believed to be this ghost, gave chase, and this ghost threw off its cape, its shroud. And again, that prop, crops, crops up in the descriptions occasionally. He dropped this, um, cape on the floor and he ran away. Um, but one of the, what eventually happened here is there was a guy who was basically uh, again, used as a scapegoat for this. Yep. They, they accidentally killed a, a fellow when they was on a night patrol looking for this guy. They they killed this guy and they, he was just a local brickie or plasterer. Uh, and he was wearing all white. So when they seen him on white, it was night time, seeing him all in white, and they're obviously, you know, it's obviously a ghost. Ooh. So shoot it. So yep. they shot it. Um, shot him and he died. Hit the blue his jaw off. Um, so yeah, he was dead. So he, he became the scapegoat for it then, and then a lot of the attacks were, were attributed to him because he was wandering around this, you know, white. And there was, uh, later in his trial, the, the actual, I think the mother-in-law still told mm. him not to walk around in white because she knew people were looking for a ghost. And she in said, white. look, you'll, you, you'll be noticed as a ghost. So then people thought, well, he was doing it to look like a ghost to scare people. So he, you know, he had it coming type thing. So again, he was used as a scapegoat in that case. 
And the officer in that case, actually the one who shot him, actually was tried for murder also. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Um, he got away with it, though, didn't he? I think that they, they were sentenced him to death, but because it was... Um, uh, basically, it was the first case, wasn't it? It was a president for um, self-defense type thing, you know, because he mm. actually thought he was attacking a ghost, didn't he? Ooh, this ghost was harming people. So he, he actually got his sentence uh, commuted to... Um, was it 12 months hard labor? Something uh, like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he, so he actually got, you know, got mm. away with it, essentially. Got away with killing this guy. Uh, so again, you know, I think, again, this was, you know, the, the, the climate affair, what I built up around this time, this helped reduce that, you know, because this is the guy, you know, the, all of the burden gets put on him and it, yep, it, it. it sort of dies off. And This uh, was the case right for, throughout the, this time. That's what happened. Yeah, and really. you find that in a lot of these. Yeah. I don't know if you've found this as well, uh, but it seems like an energy builds up it sort of manifests this creature yeah. more and more. It's this massive, um, mass hysteria. Yeah, and and that Boom. sort of that powers him almost. And then yeah. once you found a victim, like a, you know, a scapegoat, it sort of that sort of kills the. Well, that uh, was my theory, which I'll yeah. we'll tell everyone about but, um, what we think he was or they was. Because uh, I think there's more than one. That's my theory. I don't know what you want to go into next. I mean, eighteen oh eight is sort of you know coming up in the years now. And yeah. It's just before this is just prior to Springy Jack uh, coming on the scene. But eighteen oh eight, you get this uh, letter in the Sheffield Times, and it was the tale of the the legend of the go- the park ghost. And essentially, we've got the same thing going on here. That the people were getting pissed off with this uh, you know alleged ghost that was attacking people in in one of the parks in the city centre. So you know. You know, is this the same manifestation of this energy or whatever, you know, cropping up somewhere else? But um, that's 1808. And then I think um, we get into the Spring Eel stuff now, don't we? 1887, yeah. is it? I mean, yeah, mine is... Uh... Should we give a description of um, the general look of... Well, I'll, I'll tell you this one. Uh, this is the uh, uh, first documented... You know, like the first documented into the newspapers at that time. This, I think, it's from the Times as well. So anyway, we'll go into this now. Right, the first documented sighting was by a young girl on her way home one evening in 1837 in Clapham, which is in Clapham Common, which is the churchyard. You, you mentioned the churchyard about that guy. Yeah, yeah, there. So uh, her name was Polly Adams. Miss Adams claims that a dark figure had launched over a high wall as she cut through Clapham Churchyard. Again, a churchyard, consecrated ground. So he's hanging around these places, okay? Right, the girl reported that the figure had looked like a man, but had bared claw hands and burning, glowing eyes. The creature laid over her and groped her at her body before hearing the shouts of approaching witnesses and turning to leap over another impossibly high wall to make its escape. Now, this is first, in this country, the first documented one. Um... I think there was one, another one, with a businessman, but I, I didn't get... There was this businessman who walked at night through Clap, Clapham Common, so there might have been a kind of a hot spot there. Mm, but didn't he uh, just jump out in front of it? Yeah, he didn't... He, t- he, didn't really he, he tried to grip this uh, Miss Adams, he tried to have a body, it but seems this, like this businessman, he just laid it. Yeah, he's more he, interested in women, he, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he liked, to, <laughs> he liked the females, you know, definitely. <laughs> he was a, a female guy, you know, definitely, uh, you know. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's, that's the first documented one on mm. that one. So anyway, they say this again. Uh, it's these claw-like hands. I mean, are, are we talking? You know, we're talking paranormal here. With you know, he had claws. Or are we talking metal uh, claws? You know, gloves. You know, so um, 
So yeah, that, that's in 1837, and the I'm going to go now to. The, I mean, you like this one now because at that time there's now mass hysteria hits. Yeah, it's mm. documented. It's going for the papers now. People are now are getting, you know, to these sightings now, yeah. and they're giving their ac- accounts of I'll just, uh, uh, what's bringing I'll just give a general description of what Spring Hill Jack is, because obviously this is how people were yeah. recognising him at the time. But um, essentially, to me, what I have in my mind is, uh, you know, the old Batman. Um, well, it's, original, de- it's definitely a cloak. Yeah, the right. original Batman, you know, with a cape. Yeah, yeah the cape. Because he definitely says that in a lot of cases he has little pointy horns and, and a mask, and, you know, that is Batman, isn't it? Yeah. Um, tight-fitting clothes. That's definitely Batman. Generally dark. Yeah. In colour, although you know it does vary from place to place. Uh, I know Jerry, you had uh, a slightly different description of him in the states. Yeah, a little bit different. For the most part, it's the same. Sometimes, sometimes in the states, they would have him with the black cloak and the skin tight clothes underneath, and sometimes it was smoky coloured clothes that were tight fitting with no cloak, and sometimes it was just a. a all dressed in black, but, the, but but in most cases it was a cloak uh, of some sort and tight clothes underneath. So it was pretty similar. And the real, you know, the two big features of him are, are normally well, three big features are sort of glowing eyes that crops up time and time again, sometimes fiery. Uh, this ability to uh, project sort of flames from his mouth, uh, yeah. blue flames, um, and then the ability to bound. Uh, many many accounts tell tell of him like literally jumping ten feet in the air over buildings and stuff. That's essentially how he gets his name, Spring Hill. Yeah, Jack. but, uh, I was, I was, uh, um, but the, he he was called uh, yeah, he was called really the first time to call him Steel Jack before mm. Spring Hill Jack because of his disguises. Sometimes this kind of armor or a steel helmet he had or a helmet he had on. Always long metal claws. So the first um, the papers named him Steel Jack, mm. and then because of his bounding, that bounding away yeah, over the building, the state changed his name from yeah. Steel Jack to Springheel Jack. So uh, what's the next one then? Right, uh, we've done Mary Stevens. Um, anyway, so this is October eighteen thirty-seven. Uh, right, uh, right. The next day, Springheel Jack was seen in Mary's neighbourhood, blah blah blah, uh, where he jumped uh, in front of a coach causing the coachman to lose control and meet with an accident. He then gave out a, a horrific shriek of laughter and made, his, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and made his getaway by jumping over a nine-foot-high wall. But I think these two are the famous ones, aren't they? You know, the first one, this is uh, back in... This is in 1838, uh, 19th of February. Now, this is a, a lady called Jane Alsop. Right. Jane Alsop, who was in her father's house on the night of the 19th of February, when there was a knock at the door, and a voice called, claiming to be a policeman, asking her to come to the door. She opened it, and it says, asking her to bring a light as she caught, sorry, he had caught spring Jack in the lane. Right. Uh, She saw a cloaked figure waiting there. On handing over the candle to him, the man suddenly threw off his cloak, revealing most hideous and frightful appearance, Mm. uh, with fiery eyes. Now, these eyes again. He vomited blue and white flames onto Jane's face, and then tore off her gown and inflicted bloody scratches on her neck and arms with his ice-cold metallic claws. But Jane's sister appeared, and Jack fled. 
So that was... Uh, mm. I'm going to say later on in that story that uh, a posse of men got together to um, to look for him because obviously they had a commotion and somebody, they said maybe an accomplice, picked up his cloak. Um, so we're talking about accomplice, don't we? Yeah, yeah. So but the, you the, get this... It, it, it crops up every now and again that there's there's sometimes more than one assailant, but um, it could just be... It could have been him coming back for his cloak for all we know. So, so, uh, anyway, again on 28th of February, Lucy Scales... She was 18, was returning with her sister from her brother's house in Limehouse. As they were passing the Green Dragon Alley, Lucy came across a man in a large cloak who unexpectedly spitted out some blue flame onto her face, disabling her sight and triggering violent fits which continued for hours. All the while, the Times, a British daily newspaper, helped spread the legend by reporting the incidents. Mm. So by then it had gone, it had gone violent, it? Yeah, and it, I think it was this time when they um, accused that Marcus of um, the Marquis, didn't he? Yeah, he the, was of um, yeah. Waterford. Yeah, uh, but later on it turned out that he, he pretty much had alibis for. It. And the reason they accused well, him yeah, is because all he, the royals had yeah, alibis. Oh yeah, you know, you know what I mean? yeah, that's true. But he he, uh, he was he was first uh, put in the frame because he was he was known prankster, wasn't he? Yeah, he, was he, always he liked to joke and shit. Like liked to joke, and he, he had a high pitched laugh, didn't he? He had one. <laughs> yeah. Something so, like the Joker. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, Batman's running through this. But, I mean, um, if, even if he, he was guilty, he wouldn't have got convicted anyway. No, but he did later on right. move to Ireland, and the, and obviously the, the sightings and the attacks continued to happen. So it, you yeah. know, it couldn't have been him. But um, but the the said so there's uh, the Jane Alsop and the uh, Lucy Scales. Where I think really the you know the the most. Um, mm. So that's 1837. 18, 1837, uh, sorry, 1838. And again, you know, it sort of spreads around the country at that point. You end up, uh, you get reports in, you know, you've got reports in Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool, Southampton. And that's in 1888. Um, um, Northamptonshire. Yeah. Um, so again, this is this, is this um, idea that you're almost conjuring him up like a tulpa, you know? Yeah, like um, the people thinking about him and getting these stories about him almost bring it to life. Like I said, uh, in 1845, he was reported throwing a prostitute to her death from a bridge. This was in broad daylight. Mm. So, was it him, or was it maybe some? Must, I mean, you know, it could be a, it could be a, a well, feud. You know, I mean, uh, the, somebody argument and ah, uh, you know, reports, I'll, I killed my missus. You know, I'll blame yeah, spring well, I mean, she was a 13 year old prostitute, wasn't she? So, yeah, well, but he, he um, it's not the port, the port, he uh, says. That, I mean, the reports in that one say that she was um, it, the or the person the saw her in the way had a cloak and all that shit. So this is why we and he, yeah. he abandoned away as well. I mean, I mean the he, court did he jump I mean, over? Uh, did he jump over a butcher's shop as well? And that was that case, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, leaped over a butcher's shop. So I mean, you know, he's not your general. Um, villain, we, is he? We, we did. We could go into more. There's loads of more minor ones, but basically, the guy was a pervert. You know, he loved women. You know, and you wanted a bit of, you know, mm. touchy feely, and you know, and uh, if he loved guys, he would be high heeled Jack instead of spring heeled Jack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is important to go back a little bit after the Jane also. Uh, incident. The, the police actually arrested somebody, a guy named Thomas Milbank, because they said that you know he had dropped uh, the uh, a coat and some other stuff along with the candles and stuff like that, mm. and he was bragging at a bar that he had actually uh, assaulted her. Yeah. And, uh, but then he was ended up re- being released because Jane also said he did not fit the description. He didn't have the physique. 
yeah. of the guy that attacked her, and and uh, he just didn't fit. And then this guy obviously couldn't blow blue flames out of his mouth, no. so and she, she was. Con- she she did say him. that he uh, he had bulging eyes, didn't that? Mm. You know that was one of the things. This is where Mike comes to it, an accomplice. Yeah. And know? that guy that yeah the guy they arrested didn't have those eyes, so she said yeah that's that's not the guy. Um, but again, you know, a lot of people theorize that she. She she'd made this case so um, supernatural and all that you know aspects of it that when she actually was confronted with a guy that, who did it, she didn't want to let on that it was him because she didn't want to look like a cunt. You know what I mean? So, but you know, it's it's interesting also on on that story. I've heard that story two different ways. I've heard that story that they come tell her knock on the door, say it's the yep. police. They need some light, mm-hmm. and then. It, it's him all along, but then I've also heard the tor- story that it was somebody comes and says that to her, takes her to the the alley, the alley yeah. yeah, and there's he's lying there. Spring Hill, yeah, Spring Hill Jack is already there. So there was actually two people in the story, and then sometimes it's just Spring Hill Jack himself. So it's interesting to, to try to figure out which one of those stories is actually more accurate. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a, a case in uh, uh, Turner Street, uh, which was in February the twenty fifth, eighteen thirty eight, where we actually. Uh, supp- well, supposedly knocked on the door, and that's for somebody, the master of the house, you know, and a servant boy. Um, of course, he, this, this uh, entity who approached the door uh, took off his hat, and it was a hideous face and all that, you know. So, so he's maybe not. If it was Springfield Jack, Jackie, I mean, mm. you know, he's not, he's not bothered about knocking on the door. Mm. But he was obviously looking for a lady. So he, he he knew if it was him he he would he was asking for the master of the house so he actually knew the person in the house so yeah. you know so he wasn't looking for a lady he was looking for a man you know <laughs> the funny thing about Spring Hill Jack and this ties into the London monster you were talking earlier mm. think about this correlation when you hear the description of Spring Hill Jack a lot of times it's a devilish type elongated face sometimes horns sometimes not pointy ears horrendous looking. Yep. Now, you go back to the London monster. This guy must have been horrendous looking, too, because back in this day, if, if he's got beautiful flowers and he's asking girls to, to smell it and they're they're turning him down, this guy must have been tore up. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. you know, there could be a connection to whether he could have been the London monster. Well, because obviously both of these guys were hideous, <laughs> but for women not to pay them any, never mind. Yeah, he must be the first guy to say it with flowers, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So, Should have tried milk tray. Yeah, milk tray, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or a hey, he, could have, he could have jumped to the buildings yeah. anyway. He could have left a box of chocolates All on the bed. All you need round here is, is a kebab and a packet of condoms. Yeah. Right? yeah. Our time's changed. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, so we get over, I think, you know, we, we, we see him cropping up all over the world then. We see him cropping up in um, Chile. Uh, he's called the widow, widower. I think about that. There, mm. uh, or the widow. Can't remember now. But he crops up there. Same again. He, he, you know, he's bounding all over the place, jump frightening people, and then running away. It's like he's almost drawing, you know, feeding on fear. Yeah. And then we see him crop up in the in Prague in the nineteen forties. Uh, but he was more of a resistance fighter there, trying to. He actually was good, Spring Hill Jack there, because he was giving people hope. Mm. Of a better future and you know all that, and he, you know obviously with a senior supernatural character bounding around and all that, they thought, well, fucking, hell, we're not going to lose this now. You know we've got this guy on our side. Um, I, I think it was a, it, it wasn't the original one. I think it was different. Well, uh, again, you know, we, but we see this, you know, you know, manifesting all over the world, and then obviously he manifests in America. Um, so you want to go into that, Jerry? 
Yeah, actually, uh, it's oddly enough, is I didn't know this until we started researching, but the very first sighting in the U.S. of a Spring Hill Jack type of character was actually right here where I live in the state of Kentucky. Happened in uh, 1880. And what they said, it was just a, like most of these, there's just not a lot of details to it. But uh, same thing, jumped out in front of a young lady. She described him as being very tall, seven, eight foot tall. Said he had long, uh, icy cold uh, metal fingers. And he shot blue flames, not from his mouth, but from his chest. Hmm. Uh, other than that, everything matches up almost exactly to what was happening over in uh, in England at the time. He then um, there are there's stories that are similar but not quite the same. Hmm. Going back to 1985 in Lawrence, New York, uh, there was a church that supposedly at 10 o'clock everybody would gather uh, almost every night except for Sunday. Didn't show up on Sundays, but at 10 o'clock. He would just bounce all around, even jumping as high as the steeple of the church and sometimes ringing the church bell and then just disappear after midnight. Same thing in Long Island, New York in 85, uh, except this time it occurred at the Centerville race uh, course. Uh, They said it was somewhere between 11 o'clock. He would show up, disappear at about 12, and he would just run around this race course. They said he would zigzag. He would spit and fire out of his mouth, didn't mention the color. But then they said he always left the smell of sulfur behind mm-hmm. and that he moved like a feather in the wind and would zigzag. Uh, 1989, there was a sighting in uh, Wading River, um, which is also in uh, Long Island, New York. This was interesting because they said he would show up at 1155 in the churchyard graveyard. He would just bounce around and try to read the tombstones like he was trying to see where he belonged. He would perch on a tombstone at 12, so this only lasted for five minutes, and then he would let go 12 uh, fiery lightning bolts from his eyes. All right. And then probably the two most famous, uh, 1909 in Georgetown, Delaware, the people called him the devil in black. So there was a character seven foot tall. He had the black cloak. Mm-hmm. He would jump, jump behind trees and scare young ladies. He chased one young lady to where she fainted uh, in front of a uh, grocery store. Uh, to the, and then uh, another gentleman saw him a little later that night. So there was three different people on the same night. And then probably the most famous case of this is Cape Cod, 1939. Yeah. Uh, this guy showed up. He was known as the Black Flash there. But they said he would, he would jump over uh, buildings in a single bound. He was super fast. He could levitate. He would disappear and reappear in other places at the same time. So like I said, not a ton of detail, but there are plenty of sightings uh, going on. I did show, and this is actually back back over in uh, uh, your neck of the woods, but in 1986 there was a British Army officer that said he saw a guy jumping over hedges and then the uh, guy approached him and punched him in the face and knocked him out and when he woke up uh, the guy said, hey, you, you were knocked out by Spring Hill Jack. And that's what used to go on here in the 17th century. Yeah. So, cool yeah, story. Was, there was another um, account of that one where we attacked um, Sentry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was in... Was 1870, uh, was it? Yeah, 1878. Yeah. In Aldershot, wasn't it? An army camp. It was one of the uh, security guards. He saw uh, this security guard at night again. He saw this figure come towards him. Of course, the guy, you know, the security guy, Paul, who goes there, you know, he just kept on coming. 
he came up to this, uh, the security guard and just started slapping his face, mm. you know, and, and he said, poof, he's gone, just well, he, bounded off. Um, uh, he, um, he approached him, didn't he, from the darkness? And the, yeah, he just kept coming. And then he, he went back into the darkness, didn't he? Back into the shadows. So the guy stood there for a few minutes thinking, well, he must have gone by now. Turned around and he was behind him when he stood in his sentry box. And then he slapped Yeah, him basically just gave him a few, a few slaps. I know the, um, the army set traps for him in uh, 1870. After that, um, that case, there was another case where he got another slap to another sentry in 1870. And that, um, they set traps for him that night, but they said that every time he come, he just sprang away and jumped onto roof tro- roof of the sentry Whoa. box, so they can never catch him. Um, eighteen seventy again, he appears in Lincoln, um, which is obviously a few hours away from uh, London. Uh, most of this is happening around Kensington, uh, yeah. you know that yeah. sort of place, um, you know, in London, and which was you know small villages and that at the time. Um, but he appears in uh, Lincoln, eighteen seventy. Uh, reportedly he was shot at in the street yep. didn't seem to have any effect at him. effect of him he just laughed at him and bounded away leaping over fences and even small buildings so again you know it comes back to this supernatural thing um, did we get uh, I think it was 19, 1904 he appears in Everton leaping over uh, Everton in Liverpool obviously uh, bounded over uh, up and over streets and of again jumping onto rooftops um, which is I think that time he was jumping over the, the church wasn't he yeah uh, the church so tower so he, he just crops up in the most unusual places for you know for no amount of time he's just there and then he's gone uh, he scares a few people and off he off he goes so well he, he, he doesn't like men he, he gave the men a few Imagine a few punches or a few slaps, but the women, he, he loved the women, you know. But my theory on that is, um, I think he's a psychic vampire. Mm. Uh, but as we know, yeah, I'm not saying all, but you know the women, you know, sometimes they get really frightened. They they can give off more fear yeah. as, as a man. You know, we, we get, of course we get frightened as well, but I think he, I think he can get more energy from a woman being frightened and, you know, f- feed on her more than a man, you know, but. That's one. That's a, one of my theories. So it just seems to be that way. I mean, do you do you get that, Jerry? Do you get the do you get the impression that this is because uh, I mean, I'm I'm sort of leaning more supernatural. I mean, I know it's I know it's not usually me saying this, but yeah. I'm leaning more supernatural on, on some of these these accounts. I mean, do you get the do you get the supernatural? Or do you get this is just a pervert? I think it's a combination of things. I think. I think some of the stories definitely lean more towards the supernatural. Mm. Um, but then how much of it is hysteria built in with, um, I guess you could say embellishing the truth a little bit. You know, there's people out there in athletics that can jump pretty high, uh, that would probably be pretty amazing to see inside, you know, right there directly in front of you. You mix in a little bit of fear. Uh, and some of that, does that all of a sudden, you know, turn into jumping Ooh. on top of a building when in reality they jump four foot, not eight foot. But, you know, you, you've seen before where people see somebody and they're like, oh my God, they, they must have been six foot five and 300 pounds. And in reality, they were six foot, you know, 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. But that fear makes you over embellished. Um, it, it, there's so many of these sightings all over the world 
that I almost think there's got to be some kind of a supernatural answer. Is it some type of alien? Is it uh, uh, a time traveler? Um, who knows? But I lean more towards that. But there's also some of these cases were probably impersonators. Yeah, uh, they were. Yeah. They were probably just somebody trying to jump on the bandwagon. We see these oh, copycat yeah, yeah. things all the time. Well, but I do. The, I do uh, believe. Go on, I was just going to say that happened in the London Monster case. The the actual pickpockets and that at the time used the um, London Monster as a, a getaway almost. And what they do, they they pick pockets of people and then shout, "It's the London Monster!" And people would come running over and start battering him while they run, <laughs> while yeah. they run away, you know, with his, with his money yeah. and that, you know. What I mean? So you got the team got double double whammy. But um, but yeah, they use that to an advantage. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, carry on. Yeah, but I, I just don't uh, – I think there's too many sightings all over the world at the same time where mm. communication wasn't that good back then. It's not like no. the internet. So you've got something happening in 1830 or 40 or 50 somewhere in London. That that news isn't just going to spread to you know Prague that quick or no. Uh, no. to the U.S. I mean obviously you can still get the, the message across these areas, but – I just find it hard to believe that there are so many sightings of similar. I mean, it, it goes with a lot of these different, however you want to term them as cryptids or monsters or what have you. I mean, the, the Mothman situation, I mean, there, there were sightings of that all over the world, mm-hmm. you know, at roughly the same time. And I mean, you can maybe lump all these into the same type, but, you know, the descriptions, when you get into the, the claws, whether it be real claws or metal fingers or any of that stuff, it all sounds, uh, more supernatural to me than, um, you know, the, the, these were superheroes before they were superheroes, the reality yeah. of. Spring Hill Jack may very well be what every superhero is based off of. Yeah, I, I'm pretty, I'm, you know, I'm, well, I, I I'm played, I, I, I'm I played the papers as well, because uh, I oh, think yeah, they the caused that. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, well, they, I mean, the paper sold. We could go with, Jack um, was a, he's a winner, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. you know? But do you, do you get this, um, I mean, obviously Tolpas is the same thing, this this manifestation, you know, where people put that much energy and concentration and fear into something that it manifests. Yeah, of course it does. Um, you know, you get this in all sorts of cases, don't you, where people get that scared of something and it actually happens, you really? know, or, or manifests itself, so... Um, Without a doubt. I mean, just like with the story that we're doing this week is on the Salem witch trials, and that's a perfect example mm-hmm. of and fear basically gets out of hand and causes a panic, and something's got to, you know, something's got to give at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where I lean towards. I mean, yeah, the, you come onto the papers, and the papers obviously you make things worse because we have uh, – you know, obviously, you know, we've got, well, they've we've got, got paper. we've got, um, got obviously money. later on we get Jack the Ripper, don't we? So we get, yeah. so we've got Spring Hill Jack, we've got Jack the Ripper, and then we get, I think it's in the 1970s, we get Jack the Snipper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, this is, yeah, this is the papers, but essentially this guy, although there was another Jack the Snipper, but I'll, I'll tell us about, it. Mm. but essentially, um, this Snipper idea, you know, we got, sorry, we've got Jack the Ripper, then we get Jack the Snipper. I think the first one started it in 1911. And it said then, basically, after several reported attacks in Middlesex and Kent, an Enfield resident who was a typist at the London Constitutional Club was approached, approaching the clubhouse one morning when she was grabbed by an unknown assailant. Her hair was cut. Okay. So I don't know what you thought. I don't know what you thought I was snipping, but it was only hair, well, right? Snipping, snipping right? some. I don't know what he's but, doing. Um, he snipped her what? hair. Could have been hairdresser. Right? Two other similar incidents took place. 
But on the third occasion, the perpetrator was caught and harangued in a mason house. So basically, they got him, took, took him to the, uh, the, the, you know, the, where the judges was, not Yeah, yeah. Courthouse. Yeah, they had cells there, didn't they? Yeah, the yeah. Courthouse, what you call a courthouse, yeah. yeah. Uh, in most cases, the victims, usually women, fall foul to this, uh, such vicious and weird predation. The hair is very rarely found, suggesting that the kinky snipper Likes to collect the hair trophies. <laughs> so <laughs> this did, happened what in... Did you, um, what did he do with the hair? Yeah, this, happened, this uh, crops up again, I think, in the, uh, the, the night, late 90s, I think it was. I, I might be wrong on that. But in uh, the University of Hampshire, New Hampshire. Um, that's obviously in the States, I think. And now, mm. it, again, this guy was going into women's dorms at night and, uh, and cutting their hair off. And the first thing they know about is when they woke up in the morning, their hair was missing. Um, so yeah, so you know, you get this kind of shit. But then we move on to Jack the Snipper. So again, you know, he crops back up in the uh, 1970s. So you've got this. You've got the Phantom Skirt Slasher of Piccadilly held reign for six months. Again, you know, it's just this little little time period actually it's 1960s this so uh, Piccadilly held held reign for six months in the 1960s a teasing menace who loitered behind women on escalators and cut fabric from their skirts to reveal their buttocks Ooh, very well. nice that's yeah. better taken here isn't it really yeah. get a better view and then he pops up again in 1977 the pest or possibly a similar person struck again and obviously at this point he'd become known as Jack the Snipper he would flee into the depths of the London Underground after his attacks. The skate ripper was never never wounded his victims. In fact, most were unaware they'd even been a victim. I mean, obviously, he'd be walking down the street and people would be sniggering at him. <laughs> 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 your ass group, yeah. like. but, uh, but mostly there was unaware. Uh, in 1970, 1977, the Phantom was caught and turned out to be a 23-year-old school care officer, Graham Carter, who'd even kept a diary of his exploits. Um, I guess nowadays he'd have a, a picture of it as well, wouldn't he? Like a yeah. selfie. Yeah. Um, he was ordered to pay two hundred and seventy pounds for his crimes. So yeah, so it is my theory that we're gonna, you know, with the way the papers go, I think we're gonna end up with another Jack the something, and mm. I think it's gonna be. Um, well, I'll tell you his name in a minute, but essentially, what's going on? And again, you know, Jack the Snipper really his, his his playground was the London Underground, and at the moment on the London Underground, and I'm surprised the papers haven't gone with this yet, but um, we've got a real problem with um, you know voyeurism and and all this kind of thing, like Sickos. yeah, yeah, perverts basically. Yeah, but because people are crammed on tube trains like sardines, like we're getting a lot of cases where women are reporting now where they're getting off trains and they basically had some guys. Cock pressed against them, uh, and, and again, this is not. This doesn't happen by chance, does it? Look, no, well, you know. I mean, some of the women said, "Well, the thought it was Unless just she's a big fat yeah, ugly one, and obviously yeah. people away like." You know, some but, of them yeah. thought, "Well, maybe it's just a case that you know we're too close." Yeah, together too close. Them, yeah. Yeah. But, but then obviously, when I was walked away, and they felt the wet patch, and they thought, "Oh, oh no, yeah. this yeah. isn't there." So yeah, I'm waiting for the papers. So obviously, he, he had it out then. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's cases of that where people have uh, been sat on the train and reading the book and they thought the guy in front of them was snoring because he's making all these groaning noises. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they went, they finished that chapter, looked up and he had his cock out. <laughs> you know, so you get all these fucking perverts. But yeah, I think um, 
we're going to end up with uh, another Jack. We're going to get Jack, yeah, yeah. Jack the Dripper. Yeah, Jack Dripper. <laughs> yeah, Dripping Jack, where? Jack yeah. the Dripper on the London yeah. train. So, yeah. So, look out for that one, because that's coming to papers yeah. Yeah, soon. Absolutely. Yeah, but, um I think it's happening now, that stuff. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, perverts, you know, it just seems like... I mean, it could be that we're just talking about a pervert, you know, from every generation. Obviously, you're going to get one, aren't you? I mean, we used to have one around here. We used to have a, a lollipop man was a fucking knicker sniffer. Yeah. Yeah, you've, you, 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 your mum or whatever put her knickers on the line and then you go out to get them and they'd be gone. And this this uh, lollipop man around the corner was uh, stealing them all. And when they like, raided his house, he had, like, fucking wardrobes full of knickers. But um, Whatever rocks his boat, I suppose. Yeah. You know? But he was a lollipop man, so they wouldn't have given him Jack, Jack the lollipop man, would they have called him summer? But anyway, yeah. Uh, that could have been Jack the sucker. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely. Well, he was, uh, he was just a pervert. But you get perverts, don't you? So we could be, call- we could be talking about a pervert, or. So are we, ta- are we talking about a perverted psychic vampire? Um, I think we're looking at. Because definitely, he's definitely getting, he's getting off on the energy of people getting frightened. He's definitely getting off on it. I think he's getting that, off on it. I, I so he has is, to be um, feeding yeah. off that fear energy. You know, yeah. um, this. I mean, I don't, I don't believe. My, I think he's got these glowing eyes, yeah, because I think he, you know, but this fiery, this eyes. fiery again, stuff from his uh, these dark, could be, these dark um, shadowy beings with fiery eyes keep cropping up even nowadays. You know, get yeah. shadow man cases, don't absolutely, you? but. Dogman sightings could be, could the be same. Just a perverted Dracula, um, you know. I don't know. It's, you know, so we could be talking about one of the same, but I, I, I don't know. I think um, yeah, definitely paranormal. I think it's definitely paranormal. I'm, I'm leaning more supernatural. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm I'm uh, saying probably so, like you said, he's he's feeding on the fairies. Yeah, that, sort of especially with women, because that's why he, he targeted women more. Yeah, than men. All right. It's also men giving a few slaps or punched him, whatever. He was interested. It was the women he was interested. In, yeah, you know. Um, so. so Definitely. So yeah, so on conclusion, then what do you reckon, Jerry? Oh, I, th- I think it's got to be for the most part supernatural. Yeah. Mm. Supernatural. And I yeah, also definitely. think that I think that you guys somehow, some way, in every show find a way to put in dogman sightings. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> trying to sneak up sneak. every show. <laughs> <laughs> trying to sneak in. <laughs> Everything's a dogman, you know. Yeah. If yeah. in doubt, hey. it's a dogman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you've got something that's unexplained, well, it's probably Dogman, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. you know? Not all the time. Dogman's it's, not it's all the like time. My, you know? It's like my not missus. Bigfoot, you know? My it's missus said, "Hey, where's that other half of pizza gone that I left in the in the fridge for work?" Dogman. Dogman. Bigfoot. Told you. <laughs> well, fucking yeah. So, um, well, that's Spring Hill Jack then. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think most of the, the papers was to blame because obviously it built up their papers, sold yeah. money. He, he was a big celebrity, you know. Obviously, but, uh, definitely, definitely paranormal. Definitely, a psychic vampire, that's it. Mm-hmm. I think once the hysteria uh, dies down, dies yeah. down you don't so know. does he. But I mean, I mean, I guess the most recent report, I guess before we go, we may as well just comment on this. I mean, there was two, there was... Um, 2012, there was a family driving, I think there was driving around Tame, was it? Oxford, yeah, Tame, yeah. And they, and they spotted yeah. a dark figure in the road, uh, which when they approached it, they thought, you know, some roadkill or something. And then it stood up uh, and bounded across, they see it bound across the field, that's the way they say it. And again, you know, probably a dog man. But there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, <laughs> again, <laughs> see. Yeah. Bounded away, you know. But, but anyway, yeah, so they, they said, so obviously they said, well, it must be Spring Hill Jack, because obviously, you know, where else could it be? So, um, and then again, uh, later that same year, there was a, 
a couple driving along and they saw a light, uh, you know, approach this light and this is in the, you know, middle of nowhere, pitch black at night and they're driving along, see this light and they think at first it's a warning light, you know, like someone's broke down or a hazard, you know. Yeah, yeah. So they slow down with that, this light and this figure stand up and, and again it bounds away from the scene. So, and you know, we get this light with Spring Hill Jack, and obviously they thought, well, it must be Spring Hill Jack, because uh, again, what I mean, is this? I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, I've, I've heard people say it, and I've heard, I've had done a bit of research into it. I'm not sure about it, but this is where they get the Jack of the Box from. You know, you think it did, 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 and then it pops out. Yeah. You know, they say that is from actually the, the Legend of Spring Hill Jack. That's yeah, where it came from. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but you know, so it's uh, yeah, definitely paranormal, definitely paranormal. But I think there was a lot of people uh, after that impersonating him, trying to, you know. Yeah, I think a guy called uh, John Matthews wrote a book um, on Spring Hill Jack, and I think he... he, he yeah, because, yeah, yeah, he yeah that's it. He mentioned box, that yeah. that's where Jack the Box came from. But, um, but yeah, so uh, Spring Hill Jack. So thank you very much, Jerry. For thank you, Jerry. Oh, thank you guys for having me on. We appreciate it. We'll have to get you back on our show again sometime soon. I look forward to that. Sure, we can talk about dog man. <laughs> I think dog man's been done today. <laughs> Bigfoot. We've got to do something. We've got to do something else. Mothman. I don't know. Mothman's just bring old Jack, isn't it? Well, kind of. More, more or less, it, it kind of is with wings. I mean, but yeah, you know, Mothman. When you start looking into it, it's it really is similar to the to the. Uh, Spring Hill Jack sightings, yeah. I mean, because they're literally are virtually the same type of sightings all over the world of the same type of creature, so. Mm. Absolutely. They're all related. They're all related, and somehow related to the dog man. Probably. Maybe it's a shapeshifter. Well, actually, I was going to touch on that, because a lot of these cases, these Spring Hill Jack, I mean, I don't know how, how much you give credence to the uh, the theory of the um, skinwalkers. Um, you probably be... Quite. Quite uh, familiar with them, yeah. um, but a lot of these cases you get people reporting. I mean, there was a case in Cornwall where the, you know, the guy was tried as Springhill Jack, and he he was r- reportedly running around in an ox skin. Um, the London monster people said he was wearing a calf skin. So they, um, what they do? They put this on. Yeah, and basically impersonate the animal or a, that creature. Well, there was another guy who was caught, and he was wearing a bear skin. So this gives the illusion of these horns on top. What we're talking, what we're actually looking at is ear rolls. but. Um, and obviously, the, the Native Americans are, are, big, on, are big on this skinwalk, Huge where you yeah. put this, uh, you know, and then we get this with the Lugru as well, the, um, you know, <laughs> the dogman. But we werewolf. Yeah. Just call it werewolf. Yeah, werewolf. Wait, yeah. put, <laughs> change it. Werewolf. <laughs> you put the, um, you put the skin on, and then basically you get the attributes of the animal. I mean, that crops up time and time again. And obviously, we don't really have that. Um, well, it's a ritual, really. Yeah, we don't it's a have ritual that isn't it? in the UK. So, I mean, that was not picked up on in these reports because you yeah. know, because to them it was just a guy running around in a fucking bear skin. I mean, what? <laughs> like, yeah, you know. He actually thinks he's a, a bear. Yeah, but, a, but they didn't. Stuff. They didn't go down that angle because they mm. weren't really common here. So, I mean, what, what what are your thoughts on that, Jerry? Before we go, I don't know. I, I I've never been one to really buy too much into shapeshifters, skinwalkers, or any of that. I, I'm not saying that I don't believe, but it's something I've really. Not been fascinated by, so I've not done a lot of research with. So, I, don't know, I, I would I would tend towards probably no, uh, but then that makes no sense whatsoever for me to believe half of what I really believe. So <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of hard to explain because, like I said, I'm sitting here talking about I believe in Spring Hill Jack, but I don't believe in that, and it's kind of hard to say you believe in one without believing in the other. But 
Yeah. You know, uh, it's all part of the supernatural. Yeah, so thanks, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Andy Lee, Till next time. Definitely. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the show. Just before we go, I just wanted to remind people that we're looking for intros and stories. If you want to send the story or if you want to get in touch with us so you can do it over Skype, then it's dbtopodcast at gmail.com. All the information about the Patreon and the T-shirts is on the website, which is www.dontbreaktheoathpodcast.com. And that really does help us out tremendously. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. We've got some good shows coming up, so stay tuned. Thanks.